Podcast where we share the super cool backstories and side gigs of the research and insights pros that you trust. Now, there are a lot of great insights and research companies out there, but it's no secret that many of them struggle to get meetings uh, to tell their story to the right types of clients. Uh, they just struggle with that front end part, the sales bit. So that's where today's guest comes in. Brian Zimmerman is a true expert when it comes to business development working with market research companies and others, get that first meeting that uh, will hopefully turn into long-term productive relationships. And while he's one heck of a business developer, Brian is also one heck of a screaming guitar player. You might have guessed that. Looking at that background, is that just gorgeous or what? That looks like a stinky, awesome rehearsal space uh, where lots of great music gets played. So. Where's yeah, awesome. What's that, Brian? How to, how, to, how to set the theme for the show. Yeah, awesome. Well, it's perfect, and I look forward to talking about that and a whole lot more in today's podcast. So welcome to the show, Brian. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, super excited to have you. Um, while I really want to get into the music stuff because you just got me sucked in with that background. So for those who are listening uh, on audio, I can see cymbals, I can see drums, I can see guitars, amps, posters all over the walls, all kinds of good stuff. So that's that's the way it should be. <laughs> but we're going to start with research. So, so Brian, you're a business development and somewhere along the line you encountered research um, and you stuck around there. So tell us tell us how you got into research and a bit about what you're doing now. Yeah, I mean, uh, so back in 2014, I was looking for a new position and uh, came across a research company, went on their website, checked them out, uh, and they weren't they weren't hiring at the time, but I, I saw in there stuff like holistic communications and applied neuroscience and How cool. the, sub the subconscious mind and consumer insights. So that was intriguing to me. That kind of, uh, it, was a, it was an area in a space that I never worked in before. Mm -hmm. So I figured I, uh, I figured I mail a resume out to the CEO and see what happens. And uh, long and behold, we started having a conversation, a couple of actually a series of conversations. And obviously he, he saw the value that I can bring to the table and he hired me. Cool. Cool. And that's not just like your garden variety market researcher jumping into neuroscience and all that good stuff, huh? Yeah, I mean, between eye tracking and biometrics and sensory and qualitative and quantitative, all the whole nine yards, packaging, design, branding, I mean, you name it, they that's what they did. Yeah, cool. What, what, what was the company, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, HCD Research. HCD, oh yeah, yeah, good company, cool. Um, and so that was back in 2014, um, and you stayed there for a few years, and uh, tell us a little bit about your journey since then. Yeah, uh, a couple of consulting projects that I've been working on, uh, both in market research, uh, music, music, and also some uh, marketing and advertising stuff. Right now, I'm actually looking for my last big gig, my last big position. So that's uh, that's that's on the books right now. Yeah, cool. So so let me ask you this because um, you know a lot of people and myself included, you know, find find some of the unique things 
that have to do with the insights industry. You know, I feel like we're sort of one of a kind. And you've you've developed business for a number of different industries. Is that really true, or is insights just another one of many industries out there? I mean, there's there's many different industries. I mean, when it comes down to uh, selling, it's obviously uh, you know making sure obviously you're talking to the right person and uh, you know trying to uh, you know nobody no every not everybody is going to need your product or service. That's that's the main sure. thing. So that's where the that's where the real salesman comes in is to kind of scoot away and you know into that sort of area to to sell. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So t tell me a little bit about that, because um, I know that, you know, the book, the book on the insights industry is that, you know, we tend to be we tend to uh, veer towards the introverted uh, and maybe we eschew salespeople and we, we don't want to be sold to that kind of thing. Um, so in this space, uh, you know, what what really works? You know, how do you cut through? I think that can help some of the people who listen to the show who reluctantly do those jobs and and also some of the, the client side people who get these uh get these contacts out of the blue so what 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 tends to cut through the noise yeah i mean first and foremost you have to uh remove yourself from the rep zone you which means you stop pitching ah right right yeah. um all the average reps you know pitch and prospects today are bombarded with sales pitches, endless, meaningless sales pitches. <laughs> <My son>. and, <laughs> yeah, we get them all the time. Uh, and so you, you, you remove yourself from the rep zone. You, you stop pitching, you turn off your sales voice. Mm -hmm. So the prospects don't smell your commission breath. <laughs> and then what it, what it boils down to then is to have basically a human to human conversation instead of a rep client conversation. Right. Right. And then once that happens, the prospects guards are down and they are out of the zone of resistance. Okay. So now you have, now you have, you know, the doors is, is wider open for you uh, because they know that you're not trying to sell them something or ram a sales pitch down the throat. Really what it comes down to too, is becoming known, like, and trusted. Known, like, and right? trusted. Yep. And that means that, you know, sales people have gotten a bad rap throughout the years, right? Indeed. <laughs> uh, and you get a call. What is the first thing? Not interested. Click, right? Yeah. Uh, and by doing what I just said, removing yourself again, that's that's becoming you're now becoming a red X, meaning that you're standing out in a sea of sameness, right? Yeah. And all the white circle messages, which uh, I've trained recently with two probably one of the two best sales coaches I on LinkedIn is uh, Josh Braun and Brian Burns, who, you know, before I met them, I thought I knew everything about sales until they taught me about the new world of selling. Right. So that's, that's really where, you know, the sales comes in is really just uh, focusing on not being that salesy person, pesky, annoying salesman. Right. Just, right. just having that, like we're having now, it's the normal conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, one one other question about this because um, I think it's always always fascinating, um, and you know everyone everyone is in a position to sell and and be sold to, right? Uh, yeah. But no one you know really utilizes any technique. And I know a lot of people say, "Oh, 
salesmanship, salesmanship is, uh, is natural, right? So either you're a natural salesman or you're not. Uh, so there are two schools of thought. Can you learn it or is it innate? And I'm guessing you, you would fall on the ladder by virtue of the fact that you're kind of studied and you've got a, a philosophy on this. Is that fair to say? Well, you, you, wanna, you have to want to learn it. Yeah. Right? As with anything. Uh, I know sales reps, you know, colleagues of mine that never picked up a sales book, never read a sales book. Yeah. Uh, or don't have any sort of a, you know, on LinkedIn, they don't have any, they're not, knows there's no sales groups they're they're watching or connected to or joined or it just mind boggles me that you know sale that's our craft sales is our craft right right yeah. and uh, for me it's always about keeping abreast keeping keeping myself always constantly learning about what's happening in sales what's what's the latest how can i be ahead of the game how can i be how can i up my game while the other reps are still pitching right sure sure cool cool i love it all right so We've got to talk uh, guitar. <laughs> so I see that rehearsal space, man, and I just want to be there. I want to sit yeah. down jam with you, man. So tell me a bit about, you know, how you got interested in guitar and, and what you're doing now. Yeah, I mean, I I remember even in first grade going up to the teacher and asking her how to spell music. Right. <laughs> um, there was always music playing at home growing up on my right. parents' side and on my grandparents' side. My mother was a big Beatles fan. She had all the albums. She went to see them at Shea Stadium. So I was I was listening to all of her records growing up. Uh, and my father, he was playing stuff like The Who and Zeppelin and yeah. Black Sabbath and, and Foreigner records. <laughs> nice. Um, but the real game changer, the real life-changing event for me was when my grandfather put one of his guitars in my hand to play when I was three years old. Okay. And, uh, you know, since then it was, it's been my voice ever since. Um, I took my first guitar lesson in second grade. Yeah. Uh, wrote my first song about when I was about 14, uh, for my first band at 16. And I also had, I also worked in radio a little bit too later on. Oh, you did. So music, so music was always, a part of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, do you ever reach that point where you're like, Oh, you know what? Uh, now it's, I'm all grown up now. So I put my guitars down and then, you know, 20 years later, you dust them back off or has it just been continuous all the way through? I, I play guitar every single day. I have a guitar by the dinner table that I pick up. If I have an idea, I'll, I'll play it guitar by my bed. Uh, you know, because as a songwriter, too, I wrote my first song when I was, I said, what, about 14. You're always having these creative ideas. So you want to have your instrument right there, ready to go when you have something. So I'm always yeah. I'm always playing, whether I'm, you know, playing down here. This is actually the room where my band, the Zims, rehearses. Uh, and this is where pretty much the magic happens. So yeah. uh, I'm always, like I said, I'm always, uh, music's always been a part of my life. So let's let's hear about your current band. What's what's the deal? Uh, the band is called the Zims, uh, and I think we kind of we're mostly original band. Okay, uh, I write I write most of the songs. We kind of we kind of are described as an uh, an ACDC meets Zeppelin or the Who. Oh, okay, okay, some old school rockish metal kind of stuff. Yeah, so we play a mixture of you know hard rock, soft rock, blues rock. Um, we kind of hoping to get to the studio one of these days to cut an album. 
So there's a lot of things going on. So um, writing new material as we speak. Um, so yeah, it, it, it keeps me uh, keeps me going. Yeah, cool. So so you've been playing since you were three. So music has always been a part of your life. I'm curious to know if you if you have borrowed any of the lessons that you've learned from music and applied them to your professional career, or maybe vice versa. Anything you can share there? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, you know, I think detaching from the outcome and and being aware of what you can and cannot control. Uh, and that means that, you know, again, like I said in the beginning, not everybody you are selling to is the right fit for you or wants right. or needs your product or service. Right. Uh, not everybody, not everybody's going to like your music or your band. So detaching from that, always wanting to have an agenda or an expectation. Right. Um, and that's something that I learned from, again, from my sales coaches, Josh Braun and Brian Burns is to be able to just be able to just go with that flow. And it's okay if nobody likes you or, <laughs> Nobody sees your value because there are you. You want to focus on the people that do, right? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, yeah. when somebody does come up to you and say, "Dude, man, your band sucks," <laughs> it's still it's still rough, man. Right, <laughs> right. Well, we're we're human. We're human. We have that. Uh, and also, too, is to obviously be creative. Uh, you have to practice. You know, you never stop learning and and persistent. Being persistent always pays off in the end yeah yeah, um, yeah true true yeah i'm always the one always the one that uh you know i i feel like there's something there and i feel that sometimes uh sometimes people don't maybe don't like the first song or the second song or your first sales email or or, or cold call but maybe the third one is going to hit and resonate and spark some curiosity yeah. and uh you know that's that's so that's the thing is about being that persistence yeah, yeah, just a just a brief anecdote that came to mind. My son Nelson, who's now 14, I remember a few years ago. So I many years ago when I was in high school put out a thrash metal album with my brother. Yeah. Um, and uh so my my son Nelson uh when he became aware of it uh maybe around age 10 or 11 he says he says, "Dad, I can appreciate what you and Uncle Mike did. I can appreciate that you played in a band." but I don't like your music. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, actually, uh, to your point, I was happy about it because he's definitely not my audience. <laughs> right. At least he was honest, right? At least he was honest. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So he just laid it out there. <laughs> I'll take it. Cool. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So, so it's kind of interesting. You started uh, in the research space. You, you started with some of the most advanced stuff, uh, and those were heady days of neuroscience and all that, all that good stuff. <clears throat> and I'm yeah. sure you sold a lot of the more traditional types of research as well. Um, curious to know, you know, from your vantage point and those uh, those uh, discovery calls and stuff that you've had. I'm sure there have been many. What what do you see the future of of research and consumer insights looking like? Yeah, I mean, so I'm I'm hearing a lot about being heavily influenced by advances in AI, and big data analytics, and uh, virtual and, and virtual and augmented reality, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I think for me, I think which will be also be cool. I'm not even sure if this is even possible or not, but 
to do some sort of in-store study. So if uh, Market Vision was going to do a study on guitar players yeah. at Guitar Center for, you know, Gibson or Fender or PV, uh, and to kind of study the shopper insights, the shopper journey. Yeah. Now, whether there might be to study heart rate or study eye tracking. Yeah. What they're what they're buying, what they're not buying, why they don't buy it. Um, of course, there obviously, obviously has to be some sort of incentive for participants to participate in it. But I think that would be cool to have some sort of in-store insights, tracking that sort of shopper journey of, of guitar players. It could be anybody, but, you know. Yeah, no, I agree. Whatever. That would be a fascinating study. I've worked on some in-store neuroscience types of projects, but not in this category. Right. Uh, and I think that'd be fascinating. I also think it would be really interesting uh, to, to measure the brain response of the other customers in the store when somebody starts playing Stairway to Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you are going to say that. Like, right. That's it. I'm out of here. Enough right. <laughs> right. No, I would uh, love. I would love that. Hey, if anybody's listening to this and wants to engage in a study like that, <laughs> right. get in touch with Brian. Um, yes, yeah. call, really call me. Yeah. Awesome. Super cool. All right. So this is this is Media Right podcast. It's just uh, it's just one piece of uh, potential media that somebody could consume. Curious to know in your life, and this is. Big broad question. It can be inspiration, yeah. insight, or enjoyment. What what media are you consuming these days? Yeah, I mean, so I'm always on LinkedIn. Obviously, uh, you know, keeping up with my feed, keeping up with uh, companies that I'm that I'm you know looking after. Um, and again, I'm always keeping up with the content of the sales coaches, Josh Braun, Brian Burns. They're always posting videos. They're always posting content. Again, keeping sure. my brain and my skills sharpened by what they're saying out there. Um, and also I'm always on reverb. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, those are the kind of the go-to stuff, LinkedIn reverb, that sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. So for those who don't know, reverb is the preeminent site for buying and selling used, uh, and new music gear. Uh, funny enough, I got up this morning and I put a bid on a drum set oh, yeah? just this morning. What do you know? Yeah. <laughs> it the, was uh, musician, the musician's marketplace. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, and I, um, yeah, I, I, I put in a low ball off this morning. I keep checking, oh, yeah? to see, <laughs> keep checking to see if they countered me or not, but, uh, we'll see. Funny thing. I, about, I, oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I don't want to tell you how much, how many guitars I bought this year on Reverb. <laughs> I, don't think you, I, don't think you, I don't think you believe me. Oh, give us a range. Come on. Uh, in the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listen about guitar players. Now, what is it about that, right? So, I, fair enough. I've got, I have three drum sets. I have maybe nine snare drums. Uh, so, I get it to some extent, but uh, so many guitar sets. Give me give me an insight well, into the psychology of that. Well, to be fair, I didn't keep all of them. I sold some of them. Yeah. Uh, I'm, for me, I'm always buy, I'm always buying and selling. Yeah. You know the guitar the guitar you buy today that you think is the best you know the best guitar you ever bought, you don't like it the next day, so yeah. you're ending up selling it. Um, and I've been very picky over the years of my guitars. I'm, I'm into uh, 
you know, guitars made in Japan. I feel like those are real uh, good quality instruments. So I'm looking after going after like, you know, strats in Japan, you know, Gibsons in Japan. Um, but again, it's always that, um, you know, obviously if you see a bargain, you want to, you want to get, you want to jump on it. Right. Know, it's, there's, um, there's something about that. It's like, you can't, you can't let somebody else have it. So you're like, you know, right. what? I have to buy this. If I don't like it, I will sell it and make a slight profit on it, but I just right. have to do it. You know, I can't just right. let this go. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, uh, it's like, well, why did I buy this? You think, you know, you buy it, you see it on reverb, it's so nice and pretty on, on the site and you get it. It's like, why did I even bother? Right. So, so there's, there's a mixture of, of all that. Um, and there's some gems that you keep. There's some ones that you obviously you are, are thankful you got. So, um, but I, uh, I, I gotta just stop now for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Back to writing a new, right. to writing a song or something. Okay. So I get it now. So I, I'm like you, I just don't do it quite as much. Just a little bit less. That's all. <laughs> they call it gas. They call it gas. Guitar acquisition syndrome. Yeah, yeah. So I have a, I had a lot of that, obviously, uh, this year. So, you know what? I'm so bummed. You know, speaking of reverb and research, um, I did get an email from Reverb. Must have been a year and a half ago, asking me to participate in their community. Oh yeah. Uh, and I so wanted to do it. Uh, I I have to think that. Either, either maybe I wasn't selling enough on Reverb, or maybe I was honest to the market research question that I work in research. <laughs> I maybe. didn't actually get the follow-up, so I'm not a, a Reverb panelist, but I sure want to be. <laughs> yeah, I jump on it. <laughs> You'd right, be good. So if you're working at Reverb uh, and in research, then uh, give me a call. I want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, call Matt. <laughs> Okay. All right. So, so this is really the, the all important question, Brian. Um, you know, we've asked it over a hundred times now on the podcast. It is research. So I keep, I keep quantitative results of, uh, of the mentions of this and I'm super curious. So now I know a little bit about what type of music you play currently, uh, but I have no idea what your answer answers are going to be to this question. So I'm really fascinated. So, okay. Enough talking for me. You're stranded on a desert island. You've got three records to keep you company for the rest of your days. What are they? Three, huh? Just three. Uh, I'll, 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 I'll pick three out of the six that I have. Maybe we'll do a bonus scene with the others. All right. Um, and I'll I'll keep the Rob Volpe tradition going by starting with number three. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Countdown. Number three is the Beatles' White Album. Ah, uh, Beatles' White Album. Yes. Um, I, back in the day, again, my mother was again, indulging and absorbing myself and her albums. Uh, I, I was one of the songs on here birthday. I kept listening to over and over again. I was just fascinated by there's a, there's a baby sound in the middle of the bridge. Yeah. And I was just so fascinated by, by that. And one of my friends recently told me, no, it's not a baby. That's one of the Beatles. So now I'm thinking, is it, you know, I, I thought all along that it was actually a baby crying, but now he's got me thinking that it could be probably John or Paul. I'm but sure uh, it's discussed endlessly on the internet. This album is just so versatile. There's so much, obviously it's a two album set. There's just so much different material on here. Uh, you just really can't go wrong with, with the Beatles' white album. 
Yeah, cool. I so, appreciate the props, by the way, as well. We love props on the on the podcast. Okay, so Beatles White Album, that's number three. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> number two is... Oh, dude! Kiss Destroyer. The first album I ever loved, Kiss Destroyer. God of Thunder, baby. I, uh, <laughs> I read somewhere, I was flipping through one of those um, Columbia House or, <laughs> you know, back in the day, the mail order CD catalogs and i came across this album that said the album to end all kiss albums <laughs> yeah and i remember i actually remember in grade school somebody wrote the kiss logo on the bathroom stall yes. so I, I i remembered that and i said well, I, I have to get it yeah. and uh this was back in uh you know the 80s i think uh and there was also i think my neighbor was had mtv on and I saw them on MTV. So all those different, yeah. uh, you know, it just kind of just had it. I just had to get it. Uh, and the first one is the who who's next. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Which is, uh, in my opinion, you know, a masterpiece. My father was actually playing this record back in uh, when I was in diapers. Yeah. Uh, I have pictures actually to prove it. So this was always playing again, growing up with, my father with the who and Zeppelin and that sort of thing. And my mother with the Beatles. So this kind of just stuck with me throughout the years. And uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So it's really interesting that uh, the, the influence of your parents when it comes to music has really, uh, really played quite a bit into what you ultimately uh, ended up loving a very different from my own experience, by the way, but that's very interesting. Right. I might have some ones that you might be looking uh, that you might have in your collection and the other three, but uh... <laughs> I tell you, I just said Kiss Destroyer. I love that choice so much. Um, my brother and I, we we wore the grooves off of that record when I was probably seven ish, yeah, eight, eight maybe, and you know we had that destroyer poster on our door we watched kiss cartoon so it's funny because the first first one was the beatles and then kiss and those were two cartoon two, basically our two favorite cartoons as kids the beatles cartoon, oh, yeah. yellow submarine uh and then the kiss cartoons uh i was waiting for i don't know what's what's next after that so the who a, a real true classic uh awesome awesome choices i love it i love thank it. you Thank you. Cool. Excellent. Brian. Hey, this has been a really super fun chat. Um, we've got a jam sometime. Man. I gotta, <laughs> we do. Next time I'm in your neck of the woods, uh, I'm left-handed. That's the only problem, but just tell your drummer to step aside. I've, I've got to... Stick, the sticks are here <laughs> waiting for you. That's right. Super cool. Excellent. All right. Love the chat, Brian. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk soon and stay in touch and rock and roll. Yeah, it's been fun. We'll